This is Farmer's Inside Track, supported by Food from Zanzi. Inspiration for your business and life. From South Africa's farmers and agripreneurs. Mazid Mzanzi, welcome to the very first remotely recorded episode of Food for Mzanzi's Farmers Inside Track podcast. My name is Kourbis Lorenz. I'm co-founder of Food for Mzanzi, South Africa's leading agricultural and lifestyle news platform. With me in spirit is Ivor Price, my co-founder. How's it, Kourbis? Well, normally we would be in studio recording the episodes of the Farmers Inside Track podcast. But yeah, we're all in national lockdown. It's day five of 21. I'm in lockdown with my parents in Cape Town where I grew up. So far, so good. But I must say it's starting to drive me insane. How are you coping? Yes, I'm in lockdown in Paul with my family. I'm going a little bit crazy. Luckily, the schools started virtually again yesterday. So everybody's got a bit more structure in their lives. So the one thing we've noticed in the last couple of days is that our farmers, our agricultural workers, agricultural organizations are working nonstop to feed the nation. Of course, they've been exempted from the lockdown. Um, they're considered an essential service because we all still have to eat and, and live and survive and stay healthy in these times. And today we are joined virtually by somebody in the midst of the storm quivers. Yes, we're very excited to speak to Dr. John Purchase today. He's the CEO of AgBiz, the Agricultural Business Chamber of South Africa. And he's very much in the eye of the storm, coordinating South Africa's agricultural industry response to the COVID-19 crisis. And you know what the interesting thing is about Dr. John Purchase? Not many South Africans can boast that they are leaders when it comes to economics, policy creation. John Purchase is one of those rare jewels, um, a former agricultural writer's essay, Agriculturist of the Year, and as you said, the CEO of Agbus, joining us directly after this. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring, and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food for Mzanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story. We've got on the line Dr. John Purchase, the CEO of AgBiz, the Agricultural Business Chamber of South Africa. And um, we're talking to you on the morning of the 1st of April 2020 on, I think, day six of South Africa's national lockdown. John, what's your what's a typical day in lockdown like for you? Yes, it's been very hectic the last couple of days. We're involved in various task teams and initiatives engaging with government on the lockdown measures of the implementation of the lockdown measures. As you know, agriculture or food production is, is an essential service and food is an essential good, as uh, indicated in the gazetted measures. So there's a lot of gray areas and there are a lot of problems making sure that we get the food uh, distributed and that there's food access for everybody in the process. So there are a lot of issues that we're dealing with within business, but also within government. We have the agricultural task team uh, headed up by Minister De Diza, uh, and we met very regularly last week. Now we're in remote communication. 
And then also within the Business for SA initiative, which is BUSA, Black Business Council and others. And then also in the PPGI process, the last two processes are linked to the public-private growth initiative with the president's office himself. It's really hectic. Generally, our supply chains in the agri-food space are working pretty well. I would say nearly at 90%, 95% efficiency, but we do have some problems in certain areas. John, your typical day in lockdown sounds even more busy than a typical day in the office. In your daily interactions as part of the COVID-19 task team, what kind of feedback have you been getting from the ground, from the farms? How hard has the coronavirus really hit the South African agricultural space? The two sectors in the economy which, which are absolutely critical in the COVID-19 crisis that we have, and this crisis is, is still going to deepen considerably if you look at the pandemic curve that is expected. Then it's the, it's the healthcare sector, obviously, and agriculture, because people must still eat. Uh, food availability and food supplies, etc., keep running. So the feedback that we're getting from uh, members, and we're working very closely also with the retail sector, with the CEO, Guarega Mangosi, obviously, because that's uh, the interface to the consumer, is that it's working pretty well. But we have a number of challenges. Our biggest challenge Uh, if I can mention those, is actually the distribution through the informal market segment. Now, I don't know if you know, but roughly 30% of South Africa's food is distributed through the informal market segment. That's through the bucky traders that procure on the Johannesburg fresh produce market, Twani fresh produce market, and then service the vendors all across, for example, Gauteng, and then also into the townships and informal settlements, etc., but also 30% of the broiler production in South Africa is by means of what we call live fowls. Now, there are also distribution mechanisms for these because people don't have the refrigeration capacity in the informal settlements or even in townships, etc. So the vulnerable uh, use this mechanism to procure their food and then to process their food further at home. This one is a huge issue. You might have seen that there's been certain pronouncements on spaza shops because we're trying to use that mechanism of distribution as well. The other big constraint that we have is through the ports, is our exports, specifically fruit exports at the moment because we're high season in apples and pears or our palm fruits, but starting the season with our citrus, the end of the season with the table grapes. But these are critical and ports are only working at about 30%, 35% capacity at the moment. And we need them at least at 70% capacity. So while certain things are working well, there are certain risks that we are engaging government on. What has it been like dealing with President Ramaphosa and the cabinet and the rest of government on this? Actually, remarkably good, especially in terms of the attitude to engage and to work together. Uh, so we have had numerous meetings last week with Minister Didisa especially. We also met with uh, President Ramaphosa. I have been in very good contact with Minister Patel and his uh, senior staff on various aspects. So our collaboration with government and with the president and key ministers has been really good. I think there are one or two areas that we have problems I think with the Department of Transport, specifically with the taxi situation, it was very interesting to see Minister Balula in the press conference last night saying that we need greater regulation of the taxi industry. And I think we can see now we do, very necessarily. I think they've been a bit of a law unto themselves, and we need uh, regulation in the taxi industry because one of our big problems too is we can't get workers. 
into essential factories, if I can call it that, for food production. So there are gaps where we do need to have better collaboration, but these are also emerging. So generally speaking, the crisis has brought us together. I think the necessity to work together is absolutely been seen by all parties, by business certainly, by government, even by labor, although we do have some obstruction in some places by labor. I told Ivor recently, we discussed the president's most recent speech, and I told him, you know, we, I got goosebumps when the president mentioned the agri-workers along with all the other essential services of Africans, ordinary people working through the lockdown, at considerable, considerable risk to themselves. What's your perspective on that? Oh, yes. I think just generally, firstly, a general comment is I've listened to all the speeches by the president uh, dealing with the COVID-19 uh, crisis that we have. Uh, I think the leadership specifically from him has been remarkable. At, at, it has been spot on. I think the timing has been right. Generally, I think the measures have been good. I think there are here and there where I would have done th- things a little bit differently, but, but that's more tinkering on the margins perhaps because we also need to keep the economy going and we can keep certain parts of the economy going at low risk of exacerbating the crisis. But generally, it's been good. So his leadership has been good. Also, the way the leadership in terms of the law enforcement agencies, the police, the defense force, saying that we're in a constitutional state with human rights and people must be treated with that due respect. And then, obviously, the the issue that you referred is recognition of what I call the the soldiers at the front. And those are the the healthcare workers, the farm workers, the unsung heroes that keep us going in this crisis. And we have incredible appreciation for that. I think we brought out a, a press statement that your organization also carried very well where we implore on agribusinesses and farmers to also put the safe and the health of our farm workers and absolutely at the forefront. So we, I think the president has recognized this. I think the way that the president has communicated in general with the public is good. It shows the right sort of leadership that we need in this country now. John, my sense is that most South Africans are quite pleased with President Ramaphosa in particular um, the way he's been leading this COVID-19 crisis. But I did pick up some irritation from farmers after the president's most recent speech where he saluted those unsung heroes in this time, specifically the farm workers, but he didn't mention farmers per se. Do you think that some of the farmers were just being a little oversensitive? It's very difficult to comment. I think we must also understand that in the broader agricultural sector, uh, farmers included, but also businesses, is that we're actually in a fortunate space to can serve the country and to can produce food. And we generally have appreciation that we can, in, in most instances, continue with our activities. So uh, on the one hand that, but on the other hand, there is also the understanding that we have a responsibility towards the country and that we, that we do that with humility and a sense of serving. I don't think that would be the general situation by farmers. I think generally farmers understand their responsibility and, and are continuing their operations with a sense of serving. So the government says it will target smallholder farmers for support in this crisis period. But I know that your colleague, Wandile Sishlobo, has warned that subsectors should be studied individually, which kind of begs the question, which farmers will benefit from emergency aid and who is most likely to need it, John? It's a very difficult uh, question to answer because a lot of the aid packages that have been mooted around small business development, etc., 
Uh, we don't know the details. So I think speculation is there that we would look at distressed businesses. It might be primarily direct the vulnerable and, and smallholders, but exactly what those criteria are, we, we certainly do not know at this stage. So we could purely speculate at, at the moment in terms of what measures there are going to be. I think we must understand that this crisis is going to have a huge economic impact. I, I somehow think that people are underestimating it. A number of businesses, not, not just in, in agriculture, especially outside agriculture, uh, will not survive. Some are already closing down. So to assist all businesses is going to be difficult. So exactly what those criteria are, how much money will be available, in what form that support will be, uh, I think at this stage is speculation at best. I find it a bit scary that you're saying a number of agribusinesses will not survive this crisis. And of course, this is an international crisis. What's the future like after COVID-19? Um, how do you see the new agricultural space post this pandemic? There are going to be changes, definitely. I think there are going to be global changes, global changes at, at how we look at our food system. If you look at the reports of how this disease started, let's just start there. How did the disease start? Where did it start? It started in a food market, in what we call a wet food market in China. And I've, I've seen some of those wet food markets in China, and they're not, they're not hygienic. They're not good. They also don't sell products that are, are kosher. I'm talking wildlife products, etc. Apparently, this emanates from bat or bat soup or something like that that was made. There, we've got to start. Are our markets uh, hygienic? What does our food safety look like? Are we creating an environment where these bugs can mutate and jump across species as, as this one did? So these are the type of things that we're going to have to look at. The fallout in terms of the economy and which businesses will survive and not survive is also going to impact on our food systems going forward. How is our food produced? Uh, under what standards? Under what hygiene conditions, hygienic conditions, etc.? So these, these are going to be fundamental issues that we're going to have to look at. There's also the question of industrial farming. I think with all the population that we need to feed and the growing population, we will have some sort of industrial farming. But exactly what it must look like, etc., will also be questioned. So, yes, there are definitely going to be changes. Exactly what those are going to be, I don't know. I think the market for food will still play a role. So the consumer's preferences in terms of safe, healthy, nutritious food, where it is produced, how it is produced, and all these things can now be traced and tracked through technology. These are going to become more important. I'd like to get your perspective on the role of smaller-scale farmers and agribusinesses. My sense is that this crisis has shown sort of the structural shortcomings of the South African economy sort of very starkly and sort of highlighted things that urgently need um, changing. So I'm wondering if you have any perspective, maybe some new insights on the role of the smaller scale farmers versus the large commercial operators in South African agriculture? Firstly, I think we must first go and look at what the, the agro-food system looks like in South Africa. And it is a pretty concentrated system. It's a very competitive system. It's globally competitive. It brings in over 10 billion US dollars worth of uh, foreign exchange. We are netto exporter of food. Our net positive trade balance is in the region of uh, 4 billion US dollars. So economically, it has become a very important sector. We're generally more than self-sufficient in most commodities, uh, although we do import commodities like wheat and rice and vegetable oils like palm oil, etc., which we can't produce competitively in the process. But our household food security is not good. We probably have 20% of households 
and there are different studies and different figures, but but on average, roughly 20% of households that are not food secure because those households are not in the mainstream economy. They don't have economic access and often also don't have physical access or they can't create physical access because they're not growing. The smallholder and the small-scale farmer is often a peri-urban farmer or in the communal areas uh, of South Africa. That system is not going to go away. And in fact, we need greater support to our smallholder farmers because we need to bring more entrance, new entrance into the market uh, and to and to open it up more. I think there's wide agreement on that. Exactly how we do it, what that support must look like, especially in the homelands, there, there are areas that are well suited to many of our high value export crops. I'm talking avocados and macadamias and various crops and vegetables. And we need to unlock that potential and the support structures into the small scale farming and especially your communal areas is, is critically important. It's also important from a social perspective, not just an economic perspective, because we need to create more sustainable livelihoods, especially in the communal areas and other areas where we have small-scale farmers. I think small-scale farmers on their own are going to battle to survive in the market economy alone. Uh, I think we've seen that if you want to make them part of, of the value chain, and we need to make them part of the value chain, our support structures to them need to improve. And I think this is where government is battling. John Stats SA has just released the results of the 2017 Census of Commercial Agriculture, and perhaps it could aid a better understanding of some of the issues we're talking about in the Farmers Inside Track podcast. We've known for a long time that we have about 40,000 active farms left in South Africa, but did you gain anything new, any new insights from, from that census that was just released? It's basically a confirmation of trends that we've seen over the last 20 to 30 years, basically from when agriculture was deregulated around 1996. So if you're looking at the last 24-odd years, we'll see that farmer numbers have reduced, I think, roughly 120,000 commercial farmers to to the 30-odd thousand that you mentioned now. That's part of the concentration, but but it's the market economy that has pushed us in that way. Now, the market economy is correct because it drives the efficiencies and it has made us globally competitive, which we weren't prior to 1996. It has made us more food secure. So the market economy is the right economy, but we just need the right support structures uh, and, and, and the right regulation to ensure more inclusivity. And I think this is what we're also trying to do in the master plan that, that has started that initiative. Yes, we're probably going to disagree with government on, on certain issues and with other role players, but we must try and get consensus how we make it more inclusive and make it a growth model. Now, agriculture is still growing in South Africa. We're growing at roughly 1.7%, 1.8% per annum if you look at it long term. Yes, it's very volatile. It's very up and down because of droughts uh, and the environmental conditions, especially, and even now economic conditions. Generally, agriculture is still growing, and I think that's the positive. It's a sector that can create more jobs. We were just looking, one deal and I were just looking at the employment figures, both in the primary sector uh, from 2012. That's when the National Development Plan was released with its growth strategy and employment strategy. From 2012 to 2019, because those were the last figures, in those seven years, we basically grew employment by 20%. In the primary sector and in the agro-processing sector or the secondary sector by 19%. And we're actually creating more employment in our agro-food system over the last 17 years. And that's good. So there are areas that are good about our agro-food system. 
But what we also need to look at is greater inclusivity. And this is, if you also look at those numbers within the National Development Plan, I think that is where we have lagged. And that is where we need renewed focus. Just latching on to that, you're talking about the right support structures, the right regulations, greater inclusivity, but perhaps also greater leadership. And let's talk about the leadership shown by Minister Toko Diza, who thankfully is back in, in the portfolio. I scanned through some of your older messages over the last couple of days as the CEO of Agbers. And two, three years ago, it seemed like you were having a tough time keeping farmers positive about the future, you know, with the drought policy, uncertainty, etc. Has the mood lifted in the wake of the new dawn? Agbers brings out the Agribusiness Confidence Index that Wondili does for us every This is a really detailed survey looking at basically 10 indices, um, anything from environmental conditions to business growth and market share, uh, capital investments, uh, etc. We monitor the the whole agribusiness environment. This looks at the mood of the farmers. And, And over the last year or two, it's actually eight quarters, two years, it has really been negative. It has been way below the 50 mark. So the mood in agriculture has really not been good, and primarily because of, of droughts, both in the Western Cape, practically all the province. This was really countrywide drought, but also because of policy uncertainty around the so-called expropriation without compensation issue. And even economically, globally, it, things were getting tighter. And it did tick up a, in the last quarter. It went to very close to the 50 mark. So there is an improved mood. It's not really in the totally positive territory where we want it. I think the problem that we have now is it's probably going to drop back because of the tight environment that we have to operate in uh, because of, of COVID-19. So we, we recognize that. But generally, if we have a good season, uh, good rains, like we've had in the Western Cape last year in the winter, and we hopefully that will repeat itself, but also in the summer rainfall area, we've had, we're having a really good season in the summer rainfall area generally. There are still areas that it's dry, but that definitely lifts the mood. And I think uh, with Minister Dediza's leadership, we are also seeing more certainty, more positivity, a better understanding and grasp of the issues at hand. Uh, I worked with Minister Dediza in her first term, so I know well from that time. And we did welcome her coming back. Yes, there are areas that we might differ. But I think the understanding and the the ability to engage, uh, I think, is an improvement, a big improvement. And we, we, we are grateful for that leadership. John, of course, once this lockdown is over, we'll have to face some of the other monsters. We've spoken about the proposed land expropriation without compensation. You believe it's a bad idea. But we should also speak about the Moody's downgrade to junk status. What does that mean for agriculture in this country? Yes, uh, obviously the land reform issue we need to address. Uh, we are against expropriation without compensation. We'll need to address it. And there are models that are much better that we can engage on that we've proposed. Even in 2014, the, the, the Agbus Barsa model, for example, that the president specifically mentioned at the at the job summit, which is a preferred model even for him because that emanated out of the national development plan process. So, yes, the, the failure really from government in terms of, of land reform puts us on the back foot and then, and then your, your uh, debate or the narrative becomes polarized and, and populist and, and that's where it unfortunately went. So we've got to get into a better debate on, the, on land reform. Certainly we need land reform in South Africa. Uh, just on the other question that you asked in terms of the Moody's downgrade, 
I think their patience ran out. Can't blame them. I think our policy politicians basically uh, have neglected the signals. Uh, I think the Zuma years were disastrous. If you just look at the World Economic Forum figures, our per capita income dropped from eight thousand uh, US dollars to five thousand two hundred. So South Africans in the in basically in the ten years of the Zuma administration became twenty five percent poorer. I think President Ramaphosa battled to get the uh, new structural reforms in the economy, those that Minister Mbuweni has been propagating, I think they have now been accepted by Cabinet and with the implementation of those is going to be critical necessary to get into a, a more credit-worthy situation. Because the problem with a credit down rating is simply that we can still borrow internationally, but your borrowing costs, your interest rate, in other words, that you're paying to borrow, becomes so much higher. So we can spend less of our money on the services around health, education, etc., that we need for our people. And most of those costs now go into servicing your debt, in other words, paying interest. So that is probably the biggest single issue. The other issue is the inflow of capital through the global bond index into South Africa. If we don't get those global inflows of dollars, for example, it puts a lot of pressure on our rand, and we've already seen our rands depreciating considerably over the past couple of weeks, and obviously exacerbated by the by the downgrade. So those two effects are are very significant. I think uh, Minister Mbuweni and even the president alluded to that in his speech, that the same one you were alluding to on the farm workers, we recognise the farm workers saying now is the time to implement those structural reforms. And in that, we also support him fully. John, we're running out of time, but are you hopeful that we can flatten the COVID-19 curve within this 21-day lockdown, or are you bracing yourself for a further extension? I've been following this very closely, and uh, I happen to have a brother who's a pediatrician and a doctor also with an interest in this. So we chat about these things, and um, basically it's about flattening the curve. You're not going to stop infections totally. I think if we look at the provisional data that's been coming out the last three or four days and the number of cases reporting, they're definitely down. So we are definitely impacting on flattening the curve. It is definitely helping. I have no doubt about that. But we're still going to have a lot of, we're only at the start of the curve, if you understand what I mean. So the crisis is going to deepen. How big that peak is going to be and whether our Healthcare services can cope with that peak. That is the question. Uh, I was out this morning also on, on various radio stations asking for what we call PPE, as personal uh, protection equipment, especially for the healthcare workers, because we're already running short of that. So these are the type of crises we're going to get. So I think we're going to flatten the curve fairly substantially in these 21 days. But we must understand, while we might have some relaxation of certain measures after the 21 days, it might extend a week, it might extend two weeks. We don't know for sure. But there will certainly still be measures with us going for a couple of months. We expect, as Minister William Kesey said, that this will only peak around June or July in the winter and then taper off towards uh, October, November. So it's still a long process. This is going to take us the whole of 2020 to get through. Most important in fighting this disease are your personal habits. In other words, washing your hands, not rubbing your face, not touching surfaces unnecessarily, keeping social distancing. These are the critical things that are going to determine how effectively we flatten that curve and how effectively we manage this disease. Yes, there are going to be a number of deaths more in this situation. We must understand that. And that is why this, the head of the FAO said this morning 
This is the biggest crisis since the Second World War. Certainly, we must approach it also from a personal point of view in fighting this COVID-19. Dr. John Purchase, CEO of Agbiz, we're very thankful for the time you gave us this morning. Thank you for your frank answers and helping the work you do on representing agriculture in the COVID-19 crisis. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much for the opportunity. It's been a great pleasure talking to you. That brings us to the end of today's Food for Mzanzi Farmers Inside Track podcast. Thank you very much to Dr. John Purchase for giving us so much of his time. Thanks, John. Yeah, stay safe, stay healthy, stay sane, and stay tuned to Food for Mzanzi for the latest COVID-19 information brought to you from our team working remotely from across the country. And as always, we salute the unsung heroes of agriculture, also bringing you a very unique perspective to how this pandemic is affecting small-scale farmers, farmers across the country. You've been listening to the Farmers Inside Track podcast, supported by Food Form Zanzi. For more information, find us on www.farmersinsidetrack.co.za.